On this episode, we sat down in L.A. with Editor-in-Chief and Creative Director of Darling Magazine, Sarah Doubledam. We talked about the ups and downs of taking a dream from imagination to reality, her creative process, and the challenges of balancing art and entrepreneurship. Welcome to another episode of The Story Podcast. There are things meant for you that are currently beyond your imagination. The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. Your greatest work may not be seen by millions of people. Keep making it. To be a writer, we have to sit down and we have to do the work. And we don't get up until it's finished. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be stories tellers. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Story Podcast. I am Harris III. I am here with Sammy Harvey and Kellen Robison. How are you guys? Cold. 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 Yeah, I agree. It is I'm really cold, cold in Nashville. <laughs> uh, it's it's We're on day four of waking up to temperatures below, I think, 20 degrees. Oh, yeah. There's still some snow on the ground that hasn't melted from our massive blizzard of Friday. <laughs> our one-inch blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's Monday morning, and I'm really excited because I love Mondays. Um, Kellen came in like a little bit mixed emotions this morning. She was dragging a little bit. It's cold and it's early. It's cold. Kellen doesn't like the cold. She spent too long in LA. And now that she's back in Nashville, all she's done is complain about the winter. Uh, Sammy came in a little bit tired and like you're working on your morning routine. I'm working on my morning routine. You blogged a little bit about it this past week. I did. Yeah. I wrote about it. I'm trying to figure out. I feel like I finally found my sweet spot with what feels good because I've tried a lot of different practices in the morning that have been suggested, you know, from those medium posts that are like, here's how to be an all-star and start your day <laughs> like at 5 a.m. and conquer everything and reach all your wildest dreams. Try those. Some of them haven't worked. So right now what's working for me is waking up, doing yoga, writing a little bit, having some coffee and some breakfast, and then getting my day started. And also putting my phone away. That helps a lot, oh, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So I'm assuming you guys were both up late watching the Golden Globes, right? No, I wasn't. (laughs) I'm going to be honest, I wasn't. I went to a friend's house thinking we were going to watch, and then she didn't have cable. So we didn't watch, but I, like, was getting text messages and stuff. So when I got home, I was like, okay, I need to watch the highlights. Yep, Mm -hmm. so you guys have obviously caught up by now. I have seen the highlights, yeah. Woke up and checked Twitter today. Yes, and everyone's talking about what on your streams? It's it's kind of mixed. A lot of people were really excited about Fallon and the intro um, scene took off La La Land, which I loved La La Land. And so I was really excited I for them. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> and so I was excited for them and all the awards that they won. And then I watched a few of the acceptance speeches. I think the, the talk's kind of all over of what people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I love, even though I haven't seen La La Land yet, I love the story behind it. Uh, and I'm not talking about the actual story of the film. I just love that it was written by a dude when he was 25 years old. Um, and that all of Hollywood was saying it was a massive risk and they got told no over and over and over again, apparently. And then when they finally got it made, uh, I was like, wow, I can't believe we finally get to make this movie. And here they are sweeping the awards, uh, at the award show last night. I think that's really awesome. And it's just a reminder, I think to, I think the young talented storytellers that are out there to keep trying to not give up. I think Emma Stone, even her in her acceptance speech, um, 
I think we tweeted that last night from the story account, one of those things she said where she said that hope and creativity are two of the most important things in the world. Mm -hmm. And then she finished her speech by kind of holding up her award saying to all the creative people out there and all the artists who have had doors slammed in their face, literally and figuratively by being told no, or you've actually had a door slammed in your face, um, you know, this is for you. And I think that is the story and heart behind the film. And so, yeah. yeah. And the fact that like Amazon had such a presence last night, Netflix, you know, because of Stranger Things mm-hmm. being nominated for so many things. Um, it's just, it's cool because there's so much disruption taking place right now. And back in a day where there used to be gatekeepers and you could, your, stole, your story could only be told, your film could only be made if a big movie studio greenlit it, or your, your book could only be published if a major publisher decided to put your book mm-hmm. in stores. Like, it's clear that those times are changing rapidly in every single industry and medium so i love that they won so many awards because it just goes to prove this possible there's a lot of new stuff last night there was tons of um african-american presence last Mm -hmm. night on stage and in the winds atlanta won a ton of awards which is great um uh danny glover is that Mm -hmm. his name that dude is amazing and super talented (laughs) (laughs) Um, and i'm i it's it's great to see him getting recognition i think he's gonna make a ton more stuff Mm -hmm. um and then, obviously, everyone's talking about Meryl Streep this morning. You guys watched her speech, yes? Yes. yes. Thoughts? Any thoughts that you're willing to share? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> do you want to go? Or do, uh, <laughs> I cannot share. You cannot share? <laughs> um, I loved Viola Davis's intro for her. I thought um, it was just very profound in some of the words that she said about being an artist and how Meryl encapsulates that and inspires others to become an artist and kind of the work that an actor does. I think from the outside, if you're not an actress, um, you forget how serious the work is because you Mm -hmm. are, you're you're taking on a role of someone else and trying to empathize with that role and communicate those feelings and those thoughts and that persona to an audience that doesn't know that person. And trying, and a lot of roles, Um, a lot of movies are very serious and have, you know, serious messages that they're trying to send. And so being an actress isn't always easy. So I kind of, I really loved Viola's message and what she had to say. And I I love that line from Meryl's speech too, where she talked about how an actor's only job is to become this other person basically, and then give other people Mm -hmm. a glimpse into what that's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Creating empathy. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Super powerful. Um, and it, you know, it's no surprise that everyone thought it was super controversial that Twitter lit up on fire and there's a bunch of, you know, really conservative voices out there that were like somehow super shocked that, you know, <laughs> someone in Hollywood was talking about politics. It's like, I don't know why they should be surprised by that. And I was, I don't under, I also don't understand that frustration. I don't know. Like, is there a certain vocation that you have to have that? gives you permission to share an opinion about something? I feel the same way. Yeah, I don't think anyone... I I don't... I don't think it's fair to say that someone doesn't deserve to have a... Exactly. Cannot use their platform for politics if it means something to them. All the people that were rolling their eyes going, I can't believe she's up there being political, would have shared their opinion about whatever they wanted to share with. If they had that same platform and a mic on national television. If they're doing it on Twitter, they're going to do it when they have a mic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The irony was, was interesting. And like, I get, I get some of the controversy. Like, did she have to say, what was she said about football? Uh, Oh, she was like, if you, 
Oh, she was talking about like immigration. It's like Hollywood is a bunch of immigrants, and if you talk, all you're all you're going to have left is football and mixed martial arts, and that's not <laughs> the arts. It's like, okay, I hear you, but you had some really amazing things to say about human decency and morality and how we should treat other people with love and kindness. And then you offended like all section of the country, probably the people that you most wanted to influence by telling them that they're basically less, oh, how do you say that? Less than thou, I guess, because you like football and mixed martial arts. There's a lot of people who like football. I love football. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Sammy watches much football though. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> Strong feelings about that. <laughs> she may not watch a lot of football, but I know mixed martial arts is regularly DVR. <laughs> yeah, That's I so did Taekwondo awesome. for about a year. Are you serious? I am serious. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. Was it an art? Uh, Can you yeah. give us the definitive it, judgment? Is I it an art? I think it is an art. It is an it art. It is an art. I think okay. it is maybe more so than a sport. There's a lot of discipline involved. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's going to have to come back up on a future episode of the story <laughs> podcast. This is how I keep learning things about them is by, uh, these, uh, unplanned unscripted discussions. Anyways, all that to say golden globes, uh, were it made for interesting television last night. And we know the story tribe was watching in full force. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm just excited that, that not, not just that there were women there, there are women always there, and not just that women won an awards, there are entire categories for women to win an awards, but the whole country is not talking about what men said last night, they're talking about what women said last night, and it wasn't even about gender equality, it was about a whole round of other issues, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm, as a male, I'm always excited to celebrate when there are amazing women being celebrated for saying amazing things, so... Um, and that makes a perfect transition for today's guest, um, because Sarah from Darling Magazine um, was recently interviewed by us out in Los Angeles. I want to make sure I get her last name right. It's Dump Double Dam. Double Dam. Correct. Double Dam. Yes. What a what a cool last name. I know. Sarah Double Dam. Uh, she has a really cool story. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Darling Magazine. I had to pause there for a second because, <laughs> because I was about to say it's incredible, which sounds really weird because it's a magazine for women and I've obviously never read it. Uh, but from the outside <laughs> looking in, I can tell that it's incredible. Uh, my wife subscribes to it. Do you, either of you guys? I don't subscribe, but I've, I, have, get every I copy. have a couple of issues. Yeah. 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 Um, amazing, amazing job. And hearing her story made me appreciate the story behind Darling and just the intentionality that they're putting as a team into reinventing the type of media that women are consuming. Mm -hmm. So you guys are going to love this. She has so much good stuff to say about entrepreneurship and establishing new narratives and just the struggle of seeing her dream become a reality. So for all the dreamers out there, you're absolutely going to love this interview. Enjoy. We're super excited to be hanging out in your offices here in the city of LA. Uh, there's no sunshine today. I landed, I, know, I got off I the plane, and I'm like, where's the sun? You love the gray skies? I love that all it's the cloudy. Pe- Why? Yeah, all the people in Los Angeles love that because it's something different. I remember when I lived here, that's how it was. It was like, oh my goodness, it's going to rain or it's cloudy. I love it. But when you visit, <laughs> like we want sunshine. <laughs> I know. It's gray in Nashville right now because it's winter. And so I got off the plane excited to be like, yeah, I'm going to LA. At least I'll have a couple days of sun. And so it's funny. not happening. There's it's not a happening. creative agency here called 72 and Sunny. Do you know oh, that one? No. And it's 
actually legit because that's what it's like every single day here. So whenever <laughs> it's cloudy, we all bust out our jackets and get excited and then, you know, have to turn on the AC because it's too hot still. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks for letting us stop by your offices uh, here for Darling. And let's let's start by let's kind of figure out how this whole thing started. Was there a moment where you got the was there an epiphany? Was there this like magical, aha, this is what I'm supposed to do? Or was it more of like a long process? There was an epiphany for sure. My friend Kelly and I at the time were right out of college and we were both working at a restaurant and working two or three other jobs, doing some copy editing, copywriting stuff on the side. Didn't really know what we wanted to do with our life. We had both broken up with our boyfriends and we were sad and depressed struggling with anxiety just (laughs) in that place that a lot of girls get to you're just like wow how do I deal with all of this how do I Mm. be a person how do I be a woman what is going on and we were sitting at this coffee shop down in Orange County and we started talking about where do we go for advice on things like this you know is there any type of thing we can look at that's not a whole book to read (laughs) on a topic (laughs) like this and we started thinking about why do we never go to women's magazines because they're shallow. They don't promote things that we necessarily believe in. It all feels staged. It all feels like it's driven by advertising. Just doesn't have that genuine feeling of feeling like a friend. And then we just started thinking, well, what if we started our own magazine? And then we thought, wow, that's really, really hard yeah. <laughs> to do. But I don't know why we kept thinking about it and talking about it. And then we said, you know what? Who cares? Let's just start brainstorming ideas for it. Let's write out what our ideal magazine would be. And then we started reading a couple books on how to start a business. And all of the books said, start with a mission statement about your company. Like, why are you doing what you're doing and what are you about? And so we started writing a mission statement for what our magazine would be like. And we wrote about 50 different versions of it. And then we finally landed on the one that we still print on the back of the magazine. And that's what we started everything with was that coffee shop and that mission statement. Yeah, that's actually how we found out about you guys. I was asking Kellen, like, how did how did you first hear about Darling? And I think it was, was it that mission statement? Yeah, I saw it, I think on Pinterest. I mean, this was years ago when I first saw it. And um, I was like, well, th- where did this come from? This is amazing. And that's how I found Darling. So oh, I was wow. curious as to where that came from and how long it took you guys to write that because it's, a long time. it's so great. About six months. Yeah, okay. I was just trying to think of what type of woman would we ideally want to be and aspire to. And we were thinking about things that were outside of just body image Mm -hmm. and personal appearance, but were more character driven and thinking about, you know, the days of Jane Austen when that used to be more of a conversation about who a person was. Mm -hmm. And we thought, where's that conversation gone now? It's all about how you look and there's nothing about who you actually are. And this is the type of person we want to be. And that's why we came up with those dichotomies, you know, sweet without being passive and, you know, being a woman without being degraded and all these different things that kind of strike that balance of almost a new type of feminism is how we saw it. Man, at the time of this recording, uh, I, I quit Snapchat this week. Um, and it's for all the reasons that I'm hearing, <laughs> just, like all the stuff you're talking about right now. And I, I, I didn't very, uh, I didn't go to Snapchat very often to like discover and their discover section, all the media stuff that they want you to, all the content that those I guess they're magazines. They're all media companies, right, that are yeah. producing content for that page. But the times that I went there, it was always like uh, <clears throat> what your sign says about how good you are in bed. <laughs> and here's what 
whatever the Kardashian girl is that's next up in the, like, here's what, she, you know, right. and it's like half her, half undressed. And it's just objectification after mm-hmm. objectification. And I was like, I don't, I'm, this is not relevant to me anymore. And so I quit because I, I was so tired of it coming in my face. Was there this immediate response right away among your friends of, yes, you have to do this? I think so. Some of, I mean, our, our roommates and just the girls that we went to college with really thought it was a really good idea. And we just started having more conversations with more women. You know, is this something that you would want to read? What do you think about women's magazines? We even set up this dumb little booth at our college campus and made these <laughs> surveys and had all the girls that walked by were like, hey, will you fill out this survey? And it said, you know, what are the things you dislike most about women's magazines? What are the things you like the most? And then we tallied them all ourselves, oh which goodness. was a lot. It took us a lot of time, but it gave us some raw stats yeah. of how women were feeling, and they were feeling very sad, very overwhelmed, like they didn't measure up, finding that none of it was relevant, That, but then yet they're still buying them because, you know, in hope, I think when you're a woman, you buy something hoping that you'll be encouraged or uplifted or, you know, gain some insight in some way. But then when you don't, <laughs> every time from most of the magazines, it's, it's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. So we found that most people resonated with that and felt the same as us. They didn't feel like they had guidance on what does it mean to be a woman in our modern age. So that was a really striking accord with people. So when did the first issue come out? Well, after we did that mission statement, we sat on it for about four years oh my goodness. and nothing really happened Wow! because we didn't know how to start a business. <laughs> and I remember the first week we went to Staples and we got all these different like folders like you would for grade school and yes. labeled them like business, marketing, social media, um, editorial, photography <laughs> with like literal like stickers and labels <laughs> and they got this little organizer box things and like pins and post-it notes so that's literally like how we thought we were going to start our business because we had like nothing going for us and we would just keep filling those folders with just different articles or tear outs or things and that's kind of what we were doing for a very long time but nothing was really happening we just had this huge pile of ideas but didn't know how to start it into a business at all but I feel like that time was really formative because we really developed what we wanted the magazine to be what it was what it wasn't it gave us a really long time to build a foundation and then we would get women together in our living room and talk to them about ideas for the magazine we would all have writing sessions together write articles so at that point we had a lot of content even (laughs) to start putting out but just nowhere for it to live And so when I got married, my husband is a serial entrepreneur. He has a magazine as well called Wilderness, and he's started about six companies since he was 21. He's like a college dropout type of person, but just the type of guy that's like... (laughs) Sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah, let's just do it. Let's not waste time. Let's go out and like have real like hands-on world experience. So he said, I'm going to build you a website. We're going to put the mission statement on there. I'm going to build a logo for it. We're going to put a lot of this content that you girls have developed over the years on there and let's just start a website and I was like no I don't want to start with a website I want a print magazine and he's (laughs) like this is a digital age you need to start with a website because no one's going to know about your magazine (laughs) unless you have a website so I said fine let's start the website so then we did the website and um, one of my friends named Natalie ran the website for about nine months and then after that we decided to put it on Kickstarter to raise some money to do our first print issue so we put the idea on Kickstarter and had a bunch of women reading the mission statement like 
a couple words each. So it was cut between all these different women that looked really different, had different sizes, different ethnicities, reading this mission statement. That was basically the video with me just talking a little bit about, you know, what we needed and what our ask was. And then Kickstarter ended up featuring us on their homepage and on their blog within a couple days. So we went right over our our goal really quickly and that was amazing and then we got the money and we're like oh no now we actually (laughs) (laughs) what every person who does a kickstarter campaign that they hit that moment was like okay well this is real now like yeah the money comes into your bank account and you're like oh shoot (laughs) (laughs) i have to actually deliver a product to all these people that gave me this money i'm really curious i was going to ask you uh if anyone gave you pushback on going to print instead of digital. And it was interesting that it was actually your husband who was the first <laughs> voice that totally. expressed that. What, how did you go through that decision-making process? How did you go with your instincts when everybody else in the world is saying print is dead? Why, why print? Yeah, well, he thought, too, that we should start with digital, but then we should move into print just to gain a following, too. And we just thought that, you know, print is... Everyone says it's dead, but I think it's more reforming itself in a way. You see all this emergence of all these new types of quarterly magazines, things that are higher quality, that are driven by content versus advertising. They're a little more expensive because of that, but they're more pure in that sense. So we are kind of on the first wave of that. You know, Kinfolk and Darlene were kind of two of the first, you know, real Kinfolk, or sorry, real, what am I trying to say, (laughs) quarterly magazines that came out and so that's what we kind of saw print going and then we also did a survey and I asked all the people that did follow us at the time would you rather read a magazine in print or digital and 99% of the women said in print wow wow and I think that people still feel that way. I don't really know anyone personally that goes home and reads an online magazine. Totally. I mean, mm-hmm. you are on your computer all day at work. Why do you want to go home and, you know, I mean, sometimes you want a PDF of it to, to scan it or whatever. But I think that most people, if you gave them the choice, here's your computer or here's a print magazine, they would want to choose of course. a real thing. But it's, it's easy to answer that question on a survey as, oh, I would much rather read a print magazine. It's totally different to get them to pay for it and subscribe. Exactly. Right? So you you, you were able to do the first issue just with the Kickstarter support. Mm -hmm. And then when it came to issue two. (laughs) That's always the hard part (laughs) with the business. It's like, oh, the second one. So for the second one, we had to borrow a little bit of money from our family and friends. And then we put that one out. And by the third issue, we got picked up by Anthropology, which was really great because that upped our distribution quite a bit. Sure. And so that at that point, it started to make a little bit more sense financially. And then, you know, we've eventually brought on, you know, private investors to help with the with the company and with working capital and things like that, because print is very expensive cost up front to and print. And then you too. have to sell it, you know, to pay for the printing and then you have to ship it. But then, you know, that's why we're building Darling more into a lifestyle brand where we've got mm-hmm. events and we've got retreats and we have the online and now we're working with different advertisers and brands, but in a lot of different ways that aren't very traditional, you know, partnering with brands to throw a dinner or something where you're bringing in income from a bunch of different places and not just the print magazine, but the print magazine is kind of this luxury item that exists within, you know, the atmosphere of, the, of Darling as a brand. That's yeah. cool. Talk to us a little bit about those retreats, like who comes to those and what, what do you do with them and what's that like? They're so fun. We started doing them last year. I think we've done about four. And we just open them up to the public. 
do them in different places. We've done them in Carmel. We're looking to do one in Palm Springs and Nashville is our next one oh, that, hey. we're <laughs> that we're looking to do um, probably in January or February. But we bring in women that can lead different workshops. We bring in a chef. So it's really beautiful, healthy, organic food. And we have dinner every night together, do workshops during the day, free time, time to rest, all kinds of different activities going on. We've done a photography retreat where women learned how to use a camera, how to you know shoot with a model, with a professional photographer. So we're kind of going into different places of curating them more towards you know cooking and more towards art or more towards photography or just different avenues of things that women would like to learn and have a concentrated weekend to do so. That's awesome. What has been your biggest surprise or the thing that you, as you look back, you go, wow, I learned a lot about that. Probably business, I would say, because I was an art major in college, so definitely not. I was always the girl that would have to go to my math professor's office and get tutoring because I literally <laughs> didn't understand anything that he was writing on the board the whole class. But I would just go home and cry. I was like, I literally oh, cannot. My brain does not work that way. And so I think I always told myself, like, I'm not good at business. I don't know how to do math. And I didn't really want to understand that side of it you know and my husband would kind of work more on the business side of darling and I would just make the product but I think over the last couple of years I've really become more interested in it is what is business business can be used to do so much good you know how does it connect to the content that I'm making and I've really started to understand it and started to understand the numbers and how it works and just the structure of it and how it's really important to build a really healthy business and to be very careful in the beginning when you're a startup and you know, with your resources and all of that. So that's been pretty fascinating. I think there's a lot of things I would do very differently knowing, you know, now and plus never having started an actual magazine before was really, really tough. So we've learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes, but it's all good. We're still like, like what, what are some of the things you wish you would have done it. differently? I think just in general, looking at, yeah, you always need to be bringing in more than you're spending. Like that's, I mean, that's a very basic principle of business and there is, you know, working capital is great, but taking on a ton of investment, you have to be really careful with that. And not that we took on tons and tons of investment, but we could have just been, you know, very different about the ways that we would put that money towards different things or different types of hires, you know, where you're like, oh, I think we like need someone to do this when that's not really shouldn't be the priority, you know, and for us, we realized, wow, we really didn't ever hire a sales and marketing person in the beginning. And that probably should have been the first hire you make when you have a thing that you're trying to sell. <laughs> so we realized we were so heavy on people actually making the magazine, you know, creative people like myself, creative brains, but not having those analytical type of people to be like, Hey, you guys really need to save here. Or you need to do this or here's how you should market your product. So I think we would have had more, there's one thing I would change is having more half and half of like half business people, half creative people on your team instead of just a ton of creative people. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. I, I think we hear it all the time from the story community is that they're all, they're all artists and they're all passionate about being creative and they all have this, this uh, dream project they want to work on. And it's just, it exactly. always comes back to money and finances and business and how do you run a company and manage a project and meet deadlines. And mm -hmm. it's just the constant struggle, right? I know money's always the hardest part for <laughs> artists. <laughs> so do you, um, so you, obviously as an art major, you were, you're like, I'm going to be an artist. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur now? 
Like, do you kind of own that label? I do actually, which is interesting. I always, I always had a really hard time getting a job though, which is funny. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I was always, I don't know why I did really bad in interviews and I just always wanted to do my own thing. So I felt like I came across like I didn't really want the job with every job I would try (laughs) to get. So I do, I still do feel like an artist. I went to art school because I wanted to become an art director for film or a set designer. So I wanted to paint sets and stage rooms. And now it's great because I creative direct all of our photo shoots. Sometimes I do prop styling myself or I direct all the prop styling. I do all the creative direction for all the artists that we commission for the magazine. So I'm definitely constantly using my artistic brain. But like I said, using the half business sense now as well has been really interesting and realizing that a creative brain is actually very good for business because it can create new types of business, you know, things that haven't been done before necessarily. So absolutely. You can I, see that transition. as positive. Yeah. It's a good transition. Cause I want to dig into some of the creative process that you guys go through and just knowing that you're, you're still actively involved in that on a very uh, detailed level, even yes. taking over some of the photo shoots and um, d- where do you start? I guess, obviously you write, issue number whatever on a big whiteboard we're sitting next to a whiteboard uh what's the beginning is it what drives the conversation so i always start every issue with a word so for example our recent issue the word is time and then i create a paragraph off of that you know what is it about time in our lives that is powerful or that is difficult or that we need to to work with or or rework the way that we use time in our lives. Time is sacred, time flies by, you know, all these different things. So I kind of create a little atmosphere around that word first. And then I take that paragraph and I create visuals off of that paragraph. So I started thinking about what are some visuals that relate to time? Okay, yeah, there's obviously like clocks. That's kind of low-hanging fruit, (laughs) you know. But then I was thinking... You know, if you have a lot of movement in photos or just through different color palettes, you know, very still type of colors, serene type of colors remind me of time, like brighter colors remind me of things that move faster, you know, mm-hmm. so kind of just in my mind's eye, creating a, a world of, around that word. And then I create a mood board and I put it all over my wall behind my desk. And then I create a PDF that is well, that I create in InDesign that is basically a color palette, the word, the paragraph, and a bunch of inspiration images for each section of the magazine that kind of reflect that. And then I have one of my friends, Mercedes, she makes um, the color palettes for us as well. So I work with her and then work with our fashion editor on that too. And she sends me images of all the clothes that are in for the season from the runway. And then I work with our beauty editors and they send me all the hair and makeup inspiration. So then I compile that into one huge issue inspiration for everybody, hand that to my producer and say, you know, here we go. How, how long does that take <laughs> that, that process? That takes me around a week. I okay. kind of pick away at okay. it. You know, I make, I make the word and I start writing and daydreaming. And usually it comes to me way before the actual season, you know, mm-hmm. like our theme for spring is, the magic of youth and I don't know where I got that it just kind of <laughs> lighted upon me so I'm like let's go with that and then you know started thinking about that what would the clothes be like what would the colors be mm-hmm. like it would be very fun there'd be lots of movement lots of laughter yeah. lots of energy in the photos so you just kind of start to go on a trail of mm-hmm. visuals with that and then from there we work through the editorial topics in each section I work with my associate editor and we pick all the topics and then from there I create all the mood boards for the photo shoots around those topics 
So then I create around 10 to 12 mood boards that I hand to my producer, and then she brings together a whole team, and we produce the photo shoots together. Wow. And so from the, the, the week that you spend putting together this mood board and kind of overall inspiration for that particular issue, how long until photo shoots are taking place? Usually around a week. So oh, wow. A week very, later, you guys are doing quick. photo shoots. At least one will be scheduled. Yeah, my producer, she's wow. always on me. She's like, okay, once you have the concepts, I need your mood boards. Because she's like, I can't pitch your ideas to someone unless I have something to show them. You know, she's working with agencies and with creatives, right? And they're like, well, I need to see what the inspiration is. You can't just describe <laughs> it to me. And I'm like, oh, just tell them it's a fashion editorial. It's like, no, no, no. They need to see where is it? What's the model going to look wow. like? What are the clothes? What's the vibe? What's the mood? What's the lighting? Is it dark? Is it sunny? Is it this? Is yeah. it shadowy? Is it whatever? So they need to be, you know, explain this whole thing in, in detail because they're creatives and that's, what's fun about working with creatives. Some people do need a lot more than other people, you know, to, to yeah. hop onto a vision. And some people are like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll shoot whatever you guys want. You know? So we have different types of people that we work with, but most of the time they want a very detailed vision from me. And so she demands those very quickly from me. So I'll spend that's impressive around. Turnaround. Yeah. So that week of the theme is that week. And then the next week there's already probably a shoot and then I'll take one week to make all those mood boards, which is around 10 boards. That's not too bad. So you guys are all about the mood board here at Darling. It I have like. so many that I could show you. I probably, <laughs> I think we've produced over 350 shoots together. Oh Rebecca and I, wow. she's been on our team since day one. So she's amazing. And, and they're all beautiful. If thank you. If you haven't picked up a Darling magazine, you need to, cause they're all beautiful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. I, my wife is a subscriber of Darling. Oh, great. Uh, and it's like one of the few women's magazines. I don't sit down and read it from cover to cover, but <laughs> obviously as the leader of a creative community, I'm just, I'm impressed by anything oh, that's you. done really, really well. And every time it comes in, I'm always just like, dang, this is really nice, <laughs> which you. maybe I should subscribe to your husband's <laughs> magazine. Yeah. It's really <laughs> I would imagine cool. you guys are uh, tag teaming, doing some awesome we stuff do. together. Yeah. We, we definitely bounce a lot of things off each other, which is fun. Yeah. What do you feel like your greatest, uh, challenges during those times where, you're like, I don't know what this issue is supposed to be about. Or you just always know. Sometimes or do you have like a drawer, a secret drawer somewhere of like, <laughs> of these ideas. are for the times I'm out and they're just general ideas that will work. I for do. I have some folders of things that I'm constantly pulling. I'm really inspired by a lot of European magazines. And I think if I start to get really uninspired, I just need to travel, especially to Europe. It always explodes my mind. So I think most of the time I'm pretty much a dreamer. So I have a lot of ideas floating around in my head, but I definitely have creative lulls where, you know, you feel like you're, copying other stuff or you're just like man where where's my originality you know gonna yeah. come from for this one and so that when I get like that I just need to get away from the office normally go to nature I'll go to Huntington Gardens in Pasadena or something that's just where I can really feel engulfed in silence so that I can start to see again in my mind which is what I yeah <laughs> that's how I describe it like yeah why pictures. do you think that is why does that work I'm curious is it just the clearing of your head I think so yeah just being in the office and having so many things to do especially emails and then you have your phone and then you have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook it's just <laughs> so much I think for a creative person sometimes you think that that stuff is helpful but it's just noise and you need to clear out your brain and LA is just so loud and everyone's so angry and there's so much traffic <laughs> and so just being in the middle of it I'm just like I need because I also grew up in Oregon on oh, like wow. 20 acres with horses so that was my life growing up so I think I kind of go back and I connect to that and I can feel really dreamy again once I have a moment just to be quiet and 
not look at my phone. <laughs> yeah. I think we all need that. <laughs> oh, for sure. I just read an article a few uh, weeks ago, and it's a writer, like a very successful writer. I can't remember the guy's name, but he literally does know social media, and he's telling other creatives, like, wow. you're convinced that you can't have a career in a creative industry without this stuff, but he's been making a great living for I don't know how many years, and it, like, he's well-known and respected and just yeah. doesn't do social media. I feel like all the cool people are like that, and yeah. the big actors are like, oh, yeah. I don't even have social media. Well, and one of my favorite directors <laughs> is Christopher Nolan, and I found out Christopher Nolan doesn't have a cell phone he doesn't Anything. have an email address if you want Christopher Nolan you like have to call him at his house or something That's like that awesome. and yet like, show up on his doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and yet all these like all these young aspiring directors and filmmakers they're just like oh Christopher Nolan um, yeah and so all these followers or whatever yeah you really what it, I'm curious as a print magazine how do you now view online digital media is it is it a necess- necessity to the darling brand do you feel like darling can exist without it I don't know if it could exist without it, but I really do love our our website. Our online editor is amazing, creating really cool content. And the difference between the magazine and the online is the online is is quicker. You know, you can consume it faster. It's posts several times a day, whereas the print, the topics we choose are more lasting. So you could go pull out, you know, issue one or two and still relate to the topics because they have nothing to do with pop culture or what's going on at the time. They're more lasting topics. So we feel like it's almost like a dictionary to have on your shelf of, oh, I want to read that article again about anxiety or about, you know, conflict with friends or whatever, things that will kind of happen to you forever. So that's where we see the print more being this long lasting type of content that's intentional then, you guys intentionally yes. make that as timeless mm-hmm. as possible exactly so that the online is different than it but it still is great because it's also free for people to consume with the same heart and mission behind it which we feel like is necessary to have online where there's so much clickbait stuff so much mm-hmm. trash I mean, you look at other sites for young women or college women and the even the titles are just terrible yeah. <laughs> and just shameful in my opinion I'm like why are we talking about this you mm-hmm. know what is how is this helping anybody or helping anyone become a better person so I think the darlings are really cool voice amongst the noise online and we also utilize social media a lot for conversation because print is so final people can't like write in the magazine (laughs) with a pen and send it back to us whereas on Instagram you can have a comment or we try to curate discussion around that but it's so interesting even with Darlene just trying to fend off people that are negative and that want to argue and that want to critique and it's just such a negative space Mm -hmm. sometimes with social media and online it's unbelievable to me I'm like are we still you know fighting about these things or disrespecting one another on social media it's crazy to me and we like I feel like we talk to each other online in ways that we would never talk to each never. other in, room in person never. because we're protected by a screen. I like guess we're just hiding behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I don't like even even people that I know, like friends of mine, I see them engage in heated <laughs> debates, and I'm just like, dude, you would never talk to someone like that. Never. And and these women would never talk to each other like that either. It's not just guys like yelling at each other over a thing. Like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, under- it makes you brave. I've done that for sure. Like, <laughs> I can say this. I would never say that in that way. You you feel a lot more bold, you know, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a good thing. Yeah. So all all the contributors to the magazine are those are all people that are contributing to every single issue. Are you finding new people on Most a regular of them basis? Most are different. We have several consistent voices online and in print, which are just close friends, people that have been a part of the brand for a long time, or some of our editors are all right for the magazine. Like we, you know, we have some voices that people would definitely see over and over but for the most part they're changing 
So for the print especially, we change it every single writer, almost every issue besides two or three. There's obviously a lot of writers and freelancers out there listening right now. Maybe speak a little bit to, not necessarily like, oh, here's how to work with Darling Magazine, but you know, you you are the owner of a magazine and lifestyle brand, uh, and there are people who are constantly wanting to be hired by people like you. Maybe talk about your decision-making process or what you're looking for, or over the years what you've learned, the kind of thing that, that you want to see more of or the kind of things that turn you off or right. some kind of general advice for them. Sure. I think the one thing that's not helpful is when people write in and just say, I love I love your brand and I would just love to be a part of it somehow. Because <laughs> for us, we're getting a lot of emails like that. And I'm, I'm like, sure. okay, you're great. I love you. That's amazing that you love my brand. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad you read it. But can you be more specific? And I think that that's always the way to get hired. I think it's looking at the brand being really versed in their voice and the things that they cover. You know, I'll have some people send stuff. I'm like, we would never publish something like that, you know, or it's just the topic is something we would never cover the language or the style that it's written. It's like really crass or something, you know, I'm like, have you read our magazine at all? (laughs) Do you understand, you know, the way that it's, it's talking, you know, you think those are just people who have written an article and then they're just trying to submit it to a bunch of places. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, we're eloquent and we're classy and we're trying to elevate the conversation for women. We want it to be, you know, smart and not that clickbait type of language or like a blog post for print, you know, that Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily work. So it's really knowing the brand that you're submitting to really well, like do your research, know what they're like, and not that you want to, you know, copy what they've already done and submit something that, you know, they already published. But when people say, you know, I was thinking about this persona that you have in the magazine, and I really feel like you could use an article about this. Here's a summary of what it would be about. And here's an example of one of my pieces that I've published previously attached that's my dream email (laughs) if it's short and it's to the point and it's like here's what I feel like you know this is why you guys need this kind of convincing me hey I've seen you do articles about this but it seems like you've missed this point or have you ever done an article about this I would love to talk about that and that's really helpful for us and just emailing you know info at darlingmagazine.org and in the subject line just putting potential new writer and then just being really honest and providing a, an example of your work is absolutely essential for us just to get the voice and try to match the voice of whoever you're submitting to. Mm-hmm. For Darlene, I say, we are the voice of a friend. So that's the point that people should pick up on where it's, it's personal, but it's not only talking about yourself. It's got inclusive language, you know, instead of saying, well, myself as a woman, I feel X, Y, and Z saying sometimes as women, we feel like this because that includes our reader. So those are two of our things is talking like a friend and being inclusive of the reader. And I think that people could pick up on that if they did their research. Yeah. What about photographers, models? Any, is there anyone else that you're constantly looking for? Photographers, for sure. We do take submissions for the magazine. We didn't used to. We used to do all of our own shoots, but now we take submissions, which is really great because it allows people to same thing look at the brand and create something really beautiful with a team and then submit it to us so we also if you go on our website we have instructions for how to submit and how to create um, photos for the magazine and you can also have access to my mood boards for this season wow wow. that's really cool if you go to that link that board that I was talking about earlier that overall mood board of this is the word and here's the theme and here's the inspiration images is that like an approved list that you give that or no I I think I need to 
sorry, I'm not quite sure the language that they put on there, but if you visit the website, it has instructions for that. And I think you have to just request it and they'll email it to you. Interesting. So we have all our interns manning that email and looking Did at all the submissions. Did that feel brave for you or dangerous? Not really. Kind of pre- I think it's, that? I think it's great to, to open that up, you know, to the public so that they can get excited about it. It doesn't give away too much. It's basically yeah. just the word and the paragraph and then just really beautiful images that other people have shot, you know, so it's not even our, our stuff, but it's just me kind of pulling that together. I'm not really worried about people want to copy stuff. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It, it is kind of a, it's kind of an open source style <laughs> attitude, I guess, too. Right. Yeah. Have you had copycats or problems with other magazines going, oh, we should now be like more like Darling. I feel like they're onto something. A few things. I've definitely seen different women's publications or blogs come out that you know have a similar mission statement. And we have personas in the magazine as well, which is like the dreamer, the achiever, hostess, intellectual, confidant, explorer, and beautician, which are the way we divide up the women. So I've seen... Other companies do that a little bit with just different words, you know, Mm -hmm. to describe women, but they are personas. I'm like, oh, that seems very similar to what (laughs) we're doing. But for me, I think I'm great. That's great. I'm inspired by people that are inspired by other things. I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing. Plus, we want more of our positive language and mission to be out in the world. So like if other people want to create something that's for their community that has a similar vibe, I'm happy about that because I want the mission of darling to grow and I want more quality content to be out there for women. Yeah, sure. So, and it's flattering too sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe you. I'm not saying I don't believe you. I believe you that that makes you happy because there's this genuine spirit to you where you want to impact the way that culture feels and how women are viewed in general, but there still has to be that, that like internal, like, Oh, sometimes <clears throat> how do you deal with that? Yeah. There's you only just... been a couple times where we have had to reach out to people and say, you know, with our lawyer to say, okay, this is like too close because of brand confusion. So it wasn't necessarily that I was like, oh, that's, you know, negative that they're doing that. It was literally so close to our brand that mm-hmm. I thought people might actually be confused because it had like the word darling in it and stuff. And then just like <laughs> full on, like almost like the same type of mission statement. So that's the only times where, yeah, I've been like, okay, that's, that's not okay because I don't want those customers thinking sure. that literally that's a part of our brand or a sub brand of our brand. And that's where it becomes a problem for me. Yeah. But like a, attorney stuff aside, is there ever this like, you have to fight off the discouragement of like, uh, oh, people are just like, this is the end or people are going to copy what we're doing and I'm discouraged. And I just don't want to do it anymore. Is there ever this like internal dilemma of you just want to go in a corner and cry <laughs> all the time? <laughs> I have done that several times just the other day, actually. Um, yeah, I think that that does get discouraged. I mean, for us, we feel like we have such a gener- genuine voice and the love that's poured into our magazine I don't think that a lot of things can match that because of the mission behind it and the contributors that we bring together are really special I think that's where it's really unique so I'm like you know what if Conde Nast wanted to look at us and try to copycat us it might be similar but I'm like how can you create it would seem something that's the same as something exactly I don't think that can ever really happen sometimes you can see copycat things but they they don't feel the same as the original thing ever in life I feel like even with brands or clothing brands or anything like oh that looks like that brand but it's not quite so I'm not gonna buy that (laughs) brand you know so I try not to be too worried about that but in general yeah just being discouraged I think just being an entrepreneur is really hard I think that financial troubles are the most stressful with having a startup 
business and that's where I get really discouraged you know I was like how can we can't sell more magazines or how can we can't do this or we don't have enough capital to do international distribution yet or these people have crazy payment terms and we can't afford it you know so you're just always kind of feeling poor and like you can't do the things you want to do because you're dreaming so big yeah. so I think that's when I crawl up in a corner when there's too much opportunity but I literally can't do it because of financial reasons that makes me really bummed out. <laughs> Meanwhile <laughs> in addition to all the women who are saying thank you for doing this you have all the haters on Facebook and Instagram going why is this so expensive why can't yeah. you do it this way? Totally. You're like do you know how cheap we make this magazine? <laughs> <laughs> People are doing so many favors all the time. So, I'd love to talk about um, what it's like being a woman entrepreneur and what kind of challenges you faced in that, or if there are any. I haven't felt anything really negative necessarily. I think probably just with investment. Mm -hmm. Probably there is there are more organizations out there now that are providing investment just for women and female-led companies and, and missions but I think that that's really hard in general you know a lot of times you're trying to pitch men male investors or they will have a wife that are investing with them you know but they don't quite get the mission statement of what you know you're trying to do whereas women you tell them about darling like oh my gosh 100% I totally get it I understand women's magazines are like because they feel that you know men might be like yeah that seems pretty positive but they haven't actually been negatively impacted by the things that darling's trying to change right. so for them it's not as much of a heart level investment type of thing you know and some of our investors are male which are amazing but i think that that's probably the thing that is the hardest and that i've heard from other women as well is just access to to capital and things like that and statistically women do get not they don't, aren't invested in as much as, as male-led companies. So I don't know if that's fear of people thinking that women can't run a company, you know, or manage yeah. the financial side of things or what that is. But I really hope that that will start to change because I think women have great ideas for business. Absolutely. They're very intuitive. They are the buying power of the world, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think it that has probably been the only thing that I've felt a little bit, a little bit of. Yeah, I'm, it's awesome to see that changing. Mm -hmm. This might seem like a really silly question. Uh -oh. uh, are all the other women's magazines like Cosmo and I don't know, all the women's magazines, all the Condé Nast ones, are they all women led? Some of them are, but a lot of them are run I by wondered. older men, to be really? honest. Yeah, I don't know statistically, but I know that a lot of them are. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do you still read them? Some, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I look at them so that I can create articles that are the opposite of what they're talking about. So especially for Cosmo or those different things, the titles, especially on the front, I just take pictures of them whenever I go to the grocery store and then I bring them back to our staff meetings. I'm like, okay, so this is what magazines are telling women. How can we tell them the opposite of that sentence right there? I love that. <laughs> Me too. But some of them I do enjoy. Like I said, there are a lot of beautiful magazines from Europe. You know, Vogue is always... A classy publication, Vanity Fair, you know, there's there's a lot of really nice magazines out there that I definitely look at, especially for people to feature or, you know, to get ideas of different things. It's fun to see kind of who's out there. Yeah. Is there, do you have a story of a time that you wanted to quit? <laughs> All the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Is there like a, a clear memory that stands out where you're like on the floor of your kitchen <laughs> mm -hmm. just like with a glass of wine in your hand going, I just don't want to do it anymore. Let's just quit. This is too hard. 
Definitely. There was a time in the parking lot for sure where I was just feeling really discouraged. Yeah, just being like, Tell us about that day. Just thinking that we have so much to do and not enough people to do it, you know, and then certain huge holes in the company, like I said, sales and marketing, for example, you know, never having a salesperson (laughs) still to this day, we're still looking to hire someone for that position. But, and we do a lot of that internally now and we work with different agencies and stuff. So we have figured out some ways to kind of fill some of these holes with with people and, you know, contractors and stuff like that. But just being like, when will I actually have a staff that is literally feeling, filling every single seat on the bus that a company needs, you know, and just realizing that, yeah, there's so much opportunity. Oh, we need to do that, but there's no one to do it. So, and I don't have any more bandwidth to do that. And so I just had a baby too. And then was just having more and more work pile up, pile up, pile up, and not having anybody to be able to do it. And then the rest of the staff is just feeling like they have so much too. And I was just like out there with my husband being like, I don't care. I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) And he's like, well, that's a good thing that there's you and I because I want to do it and I'll keep doing it until you want to do it. And I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) I was like, if my husband's working on this woman's magazine and he's passionate about it, then I should maybe change my attitude. But there's definitely been times where I'm just like, you know what? Like, this is just too hard. Like, it's such a struggle all the time to work so hard and get people to believe in your dream and try Mm -hmm. to sell more copies and try to make more money. It just gets this like rat race type of feeling. And so I think the main thing is not comparing yourself to other people and just really being content with, where you're at and the people that you have on your team and being really grateful. So when I get in that moment of being like, Oh, I wish I had this person to do this. this person, I'm like, look at all the amazing people I do have. Look at all the amazing stuff they are doing. Look at all the things I'm able to do, you know, and that I am able to have this life where I work on my own thing is even a privilege. So I just try to come back to gratefulness and say, wow, I'm really having a bad attitude today and I need to just <laughs> scale back and be thankful. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, like, wow. Huge. I'm thankful we have this many magazines to sell. I'm thankful we've come this far instead of thinking, oh, I wish we were going that far, doing that or doing bigger, better, you know, all of that. So, yeah. Um, You mentioned in in there talking about being a leader and how, how did you handle that when you have such a small team and you feel like you're giving them too much work or, you know, what, what do you do in that position or in that role as a leader? How do you um, encourage your team to do that? Oh, I, I feel I, like <laughs> Kellen's like looking out of the corner of her eye at me as she asked that question. No. <laughs> I'm just curious. How do you, <laughs> is there something you want to tell me? No. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Okay. Wait, are go you ahead. her boss? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> She, the one that constantly overworks her and has yeah. she has too much to do that she can never get enough done. No, I'm just underpaid. curious for all the leaders out there. <laughs> I mean, that's the what thing. What she's like, saying is please give advice to Harris. How does he? <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, I think the thing is with a startup, people have to be wearing multiple hats and you just have to be really clear about the expectations of the role because I think, you know, a lot of people come in and think oh this is great this is my dream job it's like doing this or that because a lot of startups are very idealistic right Mm -hmm. they're really working on something really cool or different and people think that they're just going to go in it's going to be this like dream life but it ends up being really heavy you are overworked there's way too much to do that not everybody can do people are picking up other things that people are dropping it's just this constant 
rat race. And so for me, I feel like what I've learned all along is just to be a better communicator with my staff and say, okay, here is your clear role. These are all the things that you should be doing. If these things come on your plate, please tell me, don't do them because you'll be overwhelmed. If you're going over your hours, tell me if you're feeling discouraged, tell me if you don't want to do that, please tell me I might make you do it anyways but (laughs) we need to talk about it you know like and why you're struggling with a certain task or you don't feel like you should be doing it I think that's the main thing is just communication as a leader it's just really checking in with people and and as an entrepreneur it's seeing people over projects as well instead of thinking like we have to get to like here by this date instead of thinking about that think about the people that are going to take you there and how they're doing because how they're doing will affect the quality of work that they do and how they feel valued or undervalued or seen or or not seen and so it's about this encouragement goes a really really far away too yeah <laughs> to say wow I saw you do that that was amazing and just taking that little moment and thinking about what are the moments throughout the day where I can actually stop even though I feel like I'm in the middle of a tornado right now and look at what this person's doing you know thank my assistant for doing that or encourage them you know make sure that they're doing all have all the things that they need to do their job well those are the main things that I've learned yeah it's great it sounds like your husband's been really encouraging to to you yes Um, yes during those times that you wanted to quit I'm just curious any any advice for those out there who are working with their spouse or they're in business together right that can be hard and I don't yeah I don't think that that's for everybody I don't think it's a mark of a healthy marriage if you can or can't work together but I think the main thing is trying not to talk about work all the time at home that's the main thing that's really hard when you're just working on this project together all the time and it's on your mind and there's problems and say you're working on it all day and you get home and all you want to do is talk about that it's fine to take a few minutes of that but then checking in with each other as people like how are you actually doing or what have you been thinking about lately you know that's outside of what we do together (laughs) so that's um that's really helpful and yeah he's been great he's super encouraging he's way more optimistic than me obviously started so many companies and had them go under and just like, well, okay, I'll just do something else now. You know, he's just that type of person that's always on to the next thing. And he gets energy from, from that and doesn't feel discouraged by failure. He's like, well, we learned something from that. Didn't we? Or I would do that different next time, you know, whereas me, I tend to beat myself up over mistakes or things that we should have done that we didn't do. And he's like, well, all we can do is do better tomorrow. We have tomorrow. That's what he always says. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So last couple of questions. Um, so there's, I was going to say college student. It could be someone in their forties. It doesn't matter how old they are. They are an artist. They just got offered a sweet gig. They've been a freelancer or an entrepreneur forever, and it's just a constant struggle. They're making it, but it's not easy. And they just got offered a sweet gig, salary retainer, <laughs> something like that. You obviously can't tell them what to do. But they're listening to your story, and some of them are thinking, this sounds horrible. I should just take the, I should just take the <laughs> job. But what advice would you give them as they walk through that decision-making process? Well, I think it also depends on the type of person that you are some people really do have a hard time working for other people or you know they're meant to 
you know, have their own thing or some people are meant to come alongside other leaders and help support someone else's dream too. And I think it's realizing like, what are you most passionate about? Do you have to have your own thing or are you content with building someone else's dream and helping them succeed? And could that be enough for you? Because I think that that's really powerful, especially when I see people kind of doing the same thing. I'm like, you guys should just go together and do that. You know, like don't go start your own thing if there's something especially if there's something exactly like it that exists like you should just go join that team because it can be stronger because you have the same vision as this person over here you know but I think it it all depends on on what you're up for too if you want a wild ride you want inconsistency you want instability but you want yeah fun and freedom and the ability to totally create everything in the way that you want it then you should be an entrepreneur if that scares you and it makes you anxious and you're constantly unhappy and you need that stability and you're just feeling out of control and you're not content then I would say take the job you know I think it's just really checking in with yourself like what are your thoughts day to day are you happy are you feeling energized and if you're not then perhaps you know having a more stable thing is is for you and there's nothing wrong with that at all yeah no right or wrong Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. depends on the person yeah so in closing like we're obviously a community of storytellers that's the one thing regardless (laughs) of what creative field we work in most of the people listening to this podcast um, are storytellers in some way Um, what is the story that darling is telling to the world i like that i think overall darling is really trying to tell a different story of women and who women are, how much they're worth, what they're capable of, and who they can become. I think there's been a narrative for a long time that's just been, you know, women are less than, women are just sex objects, women need to be perfect, they need to meet all these standards in order to be beautiful, and then we have all of us just out there feeling inadequate all the time, where every day, every time you look in the mirror, you're not enough, or you don't look like this model, or you don't have that, or you don't have these clothes, you don't have this life, you don't compare to this blogger. It's just this constant feeling of inadequacy instead of freedom and joy. So Darlene's story is trying to tell women that they need to look at their own life and look at exactly how they've been made and who they are, how they look, all their gifts, all their talents, all their experiences, everything that they've gained over the years through hardship, through pain, through joy, through relationship, that all of that has made them into a really beautiful person and they can look at the story of their own life and figure out how that story can translate to using that story for good in the world. You know, like if you've really struggled with something, like for me, like anxiety and depression, had years of that and really, really struggled, then coming out of that, I'm like, okay, that's a part of my story and that story can be used to encourage women who are in that place and who are feeling sad and aren't happy and content in their life. So I think that everybody has that, but a lot of people don't see the beauty of their own story of, or of their own life. So we're just trying to make women stop and see that and stop and look at their bodies and be like, you know what? It doesn't matter that that girl looks like that. Like my body's beautiful. I can move with it. I can speak with it. I can hug people with my body. I can use my hands for good. I can do all these things. I've been given this to you know, be a mark on the world. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they are leaving a mark on the world. They're just existing. And so that's the story that we're trying to tell. It's a more hopeful story for people. And I hope that our articles encourage people towards that and that the visuals that we present show a a greater diversity of beauty where they start to see themselves 
in that and realizing that you know a flaw like isn't even a real thing it's something that we invented <laughs> you know in life and that you're not flawed as a person you're just different you're unique than other people and that's what you should focus on so that's probably the story in a nutshell I think it's that's so a, good that's a story the world needs to hear for sure Thank men you. and women need to hear that story um yeah men need to hear that story about women mm-hmm. and and sometimes themselves even the manifesto that's on the back of every single issue do you have that memorized I don't know. <laughs> Should I try? <laughs> you can try, or there's a copyright there. I think it's a perfect way. I think it's a perfect way to close the interview. Should I read it? It's up to you. You can read it or I think repeat I need to it. read it. Honestly, yeah, my brain is read fried. Read it to us. I'm sick and I have a nine week old baby. So. <laughs> okay. Um, Darling is the art of being a woman. Darling magazine holds the modern mold of woman up to the fire to evoke a discussion on femininity and reshape an authentic design. Darlene is a catalyst for positive change, leading women to discover beauty apart from vanity, influence apart from manipulation, style apart from materialism, sweetness apart from passivity, and womanhood without degradation. Darlene leads women to practice the arts of virtue, wit, modesty, and wisdom, all the while creating beauty and embodying love. Darlene says women are not only interesting, but original, not only good enough, but exceptional, and not just here, but here for a purpose. Isn't she super inspiring? Yes. I love her. Me too. It makes me want to read her magazine, and I'm a dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would get much out of the magazine, but uh, as you, an artist you might, and creator. You would. There's really? A, there's a lot of incredible articles in it that I don't think have to be... They're from a female perspective, but I don't sure. think they're only advice for females. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I just, as, I just I love it. I love great art. Um, and every magazine is a work of art. And so just flipping through the pages, I just have a huge appreciation for what she's built. And as an entrepreneur, I have an appreciation for what she's mm-hmm. built from the ground up. Um, she's going against the tide. I mean, mm-hmm. women's magazines aren't exactly like a s- small, still small voice out there in the wilderness. There's it, so many. It is, there's a lot of them and they are loud and um, it's a medium that's very invasive. You can't walk through a checkout line at the grocery store without seeing the covers of them and all the headlines and Photoshopped pictures. It's just so invasive, um, into our minds and into our culture. So, man, I just applaud what she's doing. Sarah, thank you for everything you're doing in the world. What did you guys gain from that interview? I think one of my favorite takeaways and something I didn't know about Sarah and Darling Magazine was that it took four years from the time that they created the mission statement that they spent months, like months, a year on, until from that point until it was in print, it was a four-year process. Mm-hmm. And that's an incredible amount of time for me thinking about, I don't think I've had a dream that has taken four years to come into fruition, but I have a lot of dreams right now. And it's encouraging for me to hear that it might take a while and yeah. that just because dreams aren't working out right now and it might take a while to get rooted and to bloom and to rise up. Yeah. I wonder yeah. how many people dream a dream for a year or two years or three years and then give Ten up. Ten years. Not yeah. knowing yeah. it was year four, you know, yeah. that it finally could have come together. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great reminder for sure. Kellen? I loved hearing about um, the creative process behind each episode or episode behind each issue. <laughs> Um, I thought it was really fascinating to hear 
one, how intimately involved she still is in the creative mm-hmm. process behind each um, issue that comes out and that they choose a word and the entire issue is encompassed around this word and that theme. And so everything's very she cohesive. She makes that mood board. And yeah, the yeah. mood board. Yeah. yeah I, think I loved was, her creative process. Mm-hmm. I think it was fascinating. <coughs> Super inspiring. Well, for those of you out there listening who you have a dream, uh, some of you might even call it a calling, this big thing that you just feel led to do. I think Sarah and Darling is just a great reminder to us all to continue dreaming, continue working hard. And just because you're trying to create something that doesn't yet exist, um, doesn't mean it can't happen. Um, so just hang in there keep making art, keep dreaming, keep making, keep creating and keep telling stories that matter. Um, speaking of stories that matter, uh, you guys still have time to jump on board with our workshops with Brad Montague. Talk about another ins- inspiring individual. That guy is so inspiring. That's going to be a really <laughs> good time. That's Brad's one be- of my favorite people <laughs> to hang out with and to just, Brad's one of my favorite people to see, like, Whenever you just see him, he's just like, ah, and gives you a big he's hug. so and happy. Full all of joy. Yeah. Just spewing yeah. with joy. So you guys have the opportunity to hang out with Brad for an entire day. And I, I shouldn't say the phrase hang out. That doesn't sound very productive. <laughs> Though you will be hanging out from morning until evening. Um, you're also going to learn a ton. And so we're super excited to do this live workshop with Brad. Um, we're doing two of them currently in two different cities, one in Nashville, one in Chicago. At the end of March, you can get details on that by going to storygatherings.com forward slash workshops. Storygatherings.com forward slash workshops. And I think we might have a coupon code for you guys. Kellen, is there a we discount? We do. If you want to get a discount, um, you can simply use the code storypodcast. Storypodcast. There you go. For those of you who hang out with us all the way until the very end of each episode, that's just a little small thank you from us to you. If you want to come hang out and do a workshop with Brad Montague, use the coupon code STORYPODCAST when registering, and we'll give you some uh, discounts. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We will see you next week. Appreciate you guys listening.